Alan, your your kind of premise, it seems, is that uh, that the government is kind of lying. Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth, the show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. Welcome back to the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com on the interweb. Uh, this is March 28, 2020, uh, and we're doing something different because, uh, in case you didn't know, um, we're in the middle of a quarantine. On the phone with us, because we can't be together because it's illegal, um, David really? is here. I'm shocked. David, how are you? Me? Yes, you. <laughs> uh, I'm... Uh quarantined indeed uh and then uh yeah. w- but alongside him on my view uh jay's with us from his uh lockdown bunker as well welcome thank you thank you, thank of you course. very much your thank microphone you. is killer so this is good Our, ours is more lofty than yours yeah, so indeed I, i'm just saying i'm just saying much uh so uh to fill everyone in the last time we talked we were talking about some of the corona things jay was in studio david was uh, out deathly ill from the not coronavirus, and nope. uh, we, what did we do? What did we talk did you have about? Syphilis. Ooh. What's that? Did you have syphilis? <laughs> uh, well, the antibiotics a- antibiotics would take care of that, assuming I had it. Okay. So it's quite, it's quite the assumption. Yeah. I didn't assume. I asked. Well, uh, there's a, there's a bit of assumption in the questions you ask, because uh, oh, you, you would yes, yeah I agree yeah, with that. yeah 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 yeah. Now, uh, both of you gentlemen live in the communist state of Minnesota. Um, who, who the governor there, uh, Governor Tim Walz, uh, last. Wouldn't it be more fascist? Well, no, I guess kind of. Com- more closer to communism, probably. It's, it, 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 it falls off the tongue better that way. Um, yeah, we we prefer true. socialist republic. Thank you very much. Ah, yeah. yes, Bernie. Um, well, that was social. <laughs> that's democratic social. Sorry, my bad. Um, yes, you need to get your labels straight. <laughs> what was it? Monday yeah. or Tuesday that he came out with his uh, edict to stay at home. He's you- a retired. Command Sergeant Major in the National Guard. Okay, that didn't answer my question though. So he um, he should yeah, know better. He should know, know what's think, good. I for think us. it was actually Tuesday, but regardless, I'd, I'd have to. Things have changed so fast, and sometimes from day to day. Mm-hmm. I, I think here. I think it was Tuesday. No, uh, it was Wednesday. I thought. Was it Wednesday? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, because then it was going to oh, affect yeah, last Wednesday night, Friday night. Two, they gave us a two-day head start to kind of... Uh, to, to raid the have stores, a mosh, I have think. a mosh pit before we actually... <laughs> was it crazy? Food. Now, uh, Jay, you live... In, well, you work in a much bigger town than you live in. So, uh, did you... Well, by much by much bigger, we're talking... Twice as... Yeah, of course yeah. twice as big. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you uh, notice... A panic, a mass, like, whoa, we got to get to the store. Was Walmart just hammered? 
Um, yes, actually, I did notice that. I went, I had, I ran over yesterday to pick up a couple of things, which was kind of dumb, just because I should have known how packed it was going to be. But yeah, it was, it was full. <laughs> did you wear packed. a mask? Um, my Superman mask is what I typically wear every day. Ooh. Uh, Superman doesn't have a mask. Uh, that kind of failed, yes. didn't it? That yeah. I'm, I'm wearing them. This is the Superman mask right here. His glasses, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, no, that's his, no, that's his disguise. Correct. My bad. Well, no, then that would be the Clark Kent mask. Yeah, that's oh, his that's... disguise. Exactly, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, All see, right. what, what Jay meant was he actually had the, the red tidy underpants on with the cape. That's what he meant. He just misspoke when he said mask. Oh, okay. No different than any other day. <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> what, the red? Never mind. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, I'm going to try who's some. Got a, who's got a visual at this point? Oh, man. It's a good thing we're not on video. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. I w yeah. I, I wasn't going to. I was going to say something, and then I thought. So nope, better of nope. it, did you? Yeah, we're gonna it's lose, better. We're going to lose David stuff. in a moment. He's going to have to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I want to do this real quick just as a, an aside. I'm going to try this and see if it works. Uh, let me know if you can hear this. I'm attempting to use another Oh, good. Like in New York City, heard you got 4,000 cases. Man, that number's pretty shitty. What to do? No toilet paper by the loo. Can't make a poo. Hey there, Corona. Times are getting pretty hard. Can't believe that just three weeks ago was paying bills with this guitar. Now things are bad. Can't pay my rent, it's pretty sad My landlord's mad Oh, I'm stuck in quarantine No, oh, don't want COVID-19 Oh, I'm stuck in quarantine No, oh, don't want COVID-19 this all just seems so bizarre Cause we got planes and trains and cars And that's exactly where you seem to stay We all just made fun of you with love Because we kind of knew you wouldn't really come here anyway Corona, I can promise you that by the time that we get through The world will never ever be the same And you're to blame Hey there, Corona. Uh, you, courtesy of the YouTube uh, YouTube channel, The Kiffness, if you're interested. Uh, <laughs> I 
I heard that this morning and had to laugh. Um, all right, Pretty David. Good. That was actually clever. I, I, it was. It was one of the better ones I've heard. David. Yeah. Uh, in our off-air uh, chats between the three of us, uh, Jay brought up the other day that, oh, David was warning, is warning about this for weeks and weeks. Go back to the first time this came on your radar and lay out what you were thinking about this pandemic that's now arisen. Wait, wait, wait. Before he does that, can we... David, are you cool with actually giving background on why you would have even been tracking it in the first place? Like what you have in your background that would have caused you to, to kind of keep this on your radar? Uh, I used to be emergency management director. I uh, took the uh, FEMA pandemic course. Um, <clears throat> so back in 2009 which was i think it was h1n1 and 2014 with ebola there was a whole lot of meetings about pandemic and there were grants where counties would buy n95 masks and i made sure the county that i was at made sure everybody got fit tested for n95 masks and everybody had masks and we had talked about what we were going to do and <clears throat> and whatnot. And uh, trying to think where I heard about it. It might have been, I can't remember. Oh, good. Excellent radio. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you start seeing that there are people having this it was probably mid mid january when you had a lot of people talk you know, from china talking about people getting sick and then um oh i think i know where i i heard it i i somebody was talking about how there was a pneumonia going around and how stupid the Chinese government was because uh, towards the end of December or early January in the area where it started, the Communist Party officials at that time um, were uh, throwing doctors in jail who were warning about it and actually organized this huge communal meal where like 40,000 people showed up in the air in the in the hot spot of where this was happening um and they couldn't believe that they were doing this and then I started following um different uh Twitter accounts and and things like that just specifically and, to try to see what was going on yeah specifically about that because you know even <clears throat> When you have, when you watch most of the stuff that you see on Twitter, mm -hmm. it's it's usually not as bad as certain people would like to say mm. it is. But you know the old adage where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm -hmm. um, you you know you'd see tons and tons of tweets and videos of people talking about it or it being at least being translated and. Uh, and um, at a certain point, 
you're talking about like the appearance of a cover-up, right? Yeah. and On the part of I've, the Chinese government. Yeah. Okay. And I followed a lot of the oh. uh, finance aspect, world finance and stuff, and China has always been, um, the last 20 years, they have, they have cities that can hold a million people and only 20,000 people live there and have these huge uh, apartment buildings that are, you know, 30 stories high and nobody lives in them. And the reason they're doing that is they're actually creating a bubble to try to keep people basically fat and happy because if the, uh, if the economy starts to contract at all, uh, Chinese citizens start to riot um, because there's evidently a social con contract in the sense that if you take care of us, we'll keep you in power in a sense. And the way that China was shutting everything down is completely contrary to the way they have acted for the past 20 years. So you don't... You mean so something was going on for them to change? Yeah. You don't primarily... Uh, listen to what people say, you watch what they do. <laughs> and with the Chinese government, if if they were going to contract and shut down to the extent that they were, mm -hmm. then they had to have been extremely worried for some reason. Now, some people might say it's because it leaked from a laboratory there and Bats. they're trying to trying to cover up what's going on because of whatever. Um, but who knows? But regardless, this has been horrific to their economy. And I, think, <laughs> kinda. I don't think it's anybody. I don't think anybody would be surprised in uh, it. If you heard or if you use the statement that as a general um, stereotype, you know, uh, so I'm, I don't mean this necessarily offensively, but as a general stereotype, the Asian culture works very hard to keep a um, respectable public appearance, regardless of what's happening in the background. And that's not necessarily just on the government side, but that's even all the way down to the individual and family side. So you're saying that's just a cultural phenomenon they have? I think so. More, you know, we have it, I think, out of arrogance on, on our end in Western culture. <laughs> and I don't know if it's arrogance for them as much as it is a probably five, 6,000 year pride. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Is it keeping you think that's face fair to say? kind of thing? Yeah, saving face, looking strong. So, Jim, what made you know when you shrug <laughs> when you shrug on video, it's great, but it is shrugs awesome, don't yeah. work on on radio. <laughs> so, oh, David, thought... when you were uh, like you were sending stuff to us saying "buckle up, this is going to get crazy." Yeah. Um, at that point, did you anticipate ever that we would see? where we're at today with well, mo most state governments um, having some sort of a uh, directive to their people, to the citizens, to the peasants, the slaves, the, 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 the low lives to uh, social distance. Well, Stay home. You know, um, even if you're not legally required to have car insurance, you still get car insurance because you might get into an accident. If you get car insurance, 
it's not because you necessarily are 100% sure that there's going to be an accident in the next however long. You do it just in case. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I, I was suspicious, but I also knew that here in a month we'd find out how bad it was going to be. Yeah. And um, so I, I, you know, we did a lot. We got our toilet paper. Ah, you're one of the <laughs> first. A month, huh? <laughs> a month in front of everybody else. Really? Um, we got all this stuff because, you know, all you have to do is just think if I get sick or if we can't get out, what are some of the things that we need? Mm-hmm. And so we bought a bunch of stuff. And now, then was this before the mass our... media hysteria? What's that? Was this before oh, yeah. the, the media went nuts? Oh, yeah. Well before it. Well, because you... I want to, I got to say, I mean, this, and this pains me. I mean, this, this really pains me to have to admit this, but I remember, um, it was probably a good two to three weeks before the media really took off, took off on this. I remember David shooting us a group text saying, you better have a month's worth of food stocked up because this is, this is going to come and it's going to be kind of crazy. Yep. I'm sorry. I don't, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think some of that, it's not really, you know, because David's that brilliant. um, I would never give that kind of credit, but I do think that he was just paying attention a whole lot more. Yep. Well, people also, um, you know, usually you're correct that something bad isn't going to happen. Um, so you can usually ignore people saying, Hey, something bad is going to happen because usually it statistically it's, it's not likely that something bad would happen. Um, so, I mean, I totally get people blowing it off because, at that point, you'd have to admit that there's going to be chaos in our future, and it's hard to live that way, you know. <clears throat> but I know people now, uh, the cognitive dissidence is incredible. I mean, there are people, there's somebody where I worked who's who was still, as of, I don't know, a week ago, planning on going on a cruise in April, <clears throat> and which I think is just, absolutely insane that you would think that um especially after everything that has happened and well, there's, uh, there's two pieces to that the one the one part is somebody's not paying attention and, and thinks that they're immune potentially um, but then the other piece is are you not paying attention to the fact that pretty much all, all cruise lines are shut down i mean isn't that well, there's one out there right now that they were coming in. There's they have four dead people who died on the cruise ship. Of did they and, get a refund? Um, those people maybe. Uh, yeah. Why? Why is there a cruise ship out right trip. now anyway? What's that? Why is there a cruise ship even out right now? Exactly, because people don't want to believe. And this person, people, yeah, he he didn't think it was a big deal. And and at that point too. No, you, but why, why are the ships going ask, out? Like, why okay. is the ship even out? 
Well, I don't know. Maybe it was a two-week cruise, and who knows? They, well, yeah, that's actually a good point because there are some cruises that are, you know, five to six weeks long. And, uh, uh, um, you know, you can you can take off. I mean, there were cruise ships that took off a month ago that are still, you know, they can't dock anywhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they were designed to be a four to six week cruise. Which is, which is insane. But <clears throat> like I have, a, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go too personal, but I do know, I, I do know some people that were in Europe and came back like right around the time that Trump was closing all flights from Europe. And uh, one of the uh, spouses of one of these people, even the person who was over there and came back, this person quarantined for two weeks, but the spouse kept going out and going over to an elderly person's house because they weren't showing any symptoms and he felt that they were fine. And it's the same type of person who in the past um, just completely poo-poos these sort of things. And the thing is, statistically, he's he's going to be right. But when he's wrong, it's it could be catastrophic. And I know I, I remember somebody talking about how uh, having good events – having one bad event in your life can overshadow all the good events that you have in your, in your life. You could win a hundred million dollar in lottery and the next day find out you have pancreatic cancer and are going to die in a month. And that one piece of, of, of information overshadows anything else that is going on in your life. So statistically people who ignore issues are typically right until they're not and the time that they're not that can be catastrophic so i'm going back in time in our conversation one of the points that's worth bringing up there um and why and i know we're going to talk about this probably more in detail later but the idea i think what you said was kind of i don't know that i've heard it phrased quite that way but when you said um, the when you're if somebody is right, then that's great. But when the person becomes wrong, and I wish I I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you said when they're wrong, the results become catastrophic. And I think that's what has allowed people to the fear of that being wrong is what has allowed people to um, get shut down at such a large uh, scale level without any real pushback um, is because the fear of being wrong is so big. Yep. Yes. And, you know, I've always... I've always lived my life in one sense, and that is I don't um, I don't want to have any regrets that I didn't do something simple that I could have done. Like I don't have a problem. I, I don't want it to happen, but um, I don't I don't have any 
problem always buckling up, even though it, there might be, it might be inconvenient for whatever reason, because I don't want to be that type of person that gets into an accident and could have survived, but didn't because they didn't buckle up. And this is an example or having a child in the car and not buckling them up correctly, even though it's inconvenient, I would much rather allow that to happen and might be more inconvenient potentially than for there to be an accident. And I didn't do it that one time. And then I have to live the rest of my life with, you know, enduring the consequences of that one action. Um, but most people, I, yeah, that, that's just me. So I keep an eye out for stuff like this. So, uh, I went back in through our thread of, uh, conversation to try to find the first mention of this from old David. Care to posit a guess of the date that the first words from... Don't cheat. Don't look back at your phone. (laughs) You guys guess. I'd say say February 2nd. From him to us? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say say February 1st. January 25th. Yeah. I know. Oh. I knew it was back there away. I am. Uh, I'm intrigued I because it's been that's been two two months, two full months. Well, over I that now. Just a little that we've had this the thing. Three of us. What's interesting is that really proves the point of what David talked about when you say, you know, when you're when you're right, okay, great, you're right, and when you're right most of the time. Um, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But when you're want, when you're wrong, you're wrong. Right. And I mean, I know Alan, you and I were both kind of giving him a hard time in jest. Uh, I, I held some respect in what he was saying, but I just didn't think it was going to be quite as bad as what he was pushing to us because I just kept thinking, you know, well, China's more of a second world, even parts of their country, third world. So mm-hmm. they're not going to handle it the way we would. And I remember making some of those comments, but he was right. And we were wrong. And it's, you know, maybe the virus is not quite as bad for 95% of the people that it's necessary to take the measures being taken. But the challenge is, it is bad for the 5%. And how do you, how do you put a value on the 5%ers uh, where the 95% of us are um, posing a danger to their life? On February 7 is when David said, this is the real deal, though. I would start preparing for a pandemic because it doesn't look like there is any way to keep it from hitting America. So that that was your uh, shot across the bow to us. And of course, sure. we then said, no, no. Um, <clears throat> you said uh, there are multiple reports from different people that the uh, crematoriums in the affected cities are running 24-7. Um I won't mention some of the things you said, just for fear of retribution from our listeners. <laughs> um, and one one of the things that you, well, and then I did not catch that you had because I know a month or so ago or a few weeks ago I sent you that con- uh the content on uh, the John Hopkins uh, event two hundred one that they did in October. Uh, you had sent oh, that back yeah. in uh, in February that I must have glossed over. So I apologize for that. I don't, I mean, I mean, just take it. Okay. 
Or I'll, I'll, I can rescind. Okay. That's fine. You, you bet. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and so then, um, you know, that was February 7, February 8. I mean, that's a month and a half ago still. Uh, then one thing, uh, February 10th, you said, I'm just running through all the feeds you've sent us. Uh, you sent us an article, the chilling effects of the coronavirus is turning in, uh, uh, turning up uh, in the shipping news. Which, of course, you're digging around in that stuff. Why not? And you said there's no conceivable reason that China would shut down the majority of all of their manufacturing and lock down so far the majority of all their big cities over something that is as bad as the flu. They need to have GDP growth of around 6% or people will start rioting. Now, I, uh, I heard some possible speculation that there may be some riots going on currently. Have you seen anything like that? Uh, there was something in the news today, I thought. Hmm. Or yesterday, Where? Where? in China. Oh, oh, oh. So, okay, uh, David, what is at at this point? Because then, I mean, Jay, you had said I don't think it'll reach the U.S. or more affluent countries, which we all thought that. I mean, how would it get here? Um, what? Uh, and that was mid, like early February, month and a half ago. David, what is the real? Like at this point, and we'll dig into what just happened in Congress and stuff in a little bit, but where are we at? I mean, what's going to happen in reality? Are we doomed? Is this the police state for the next foreseeable future for us where governments are going to be actually mandating our movements? Are we going to have to carry papers around uh, to move properly? Where are we at? I don't know. I mean, I, I think in some sense in the next few weeks we'll be 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 able to determine if this is because right now it it looks like New York is really getting hit hard and as of a week or two ago LA had more cases than New York LA is a big city but LA doesn't have the number of deaths and cases as New York is and they're thinking that maybe it's or probably it's because New York is more congested. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, so, but but doesn't LA have a big smog problem typically, or is this not not this time of year? Well, not now. There's no one's driving. Well, I mean, if you live inside New York City, you live in, probably in an apartment or a tenement mm, with see. a bunch of other people, and you have to get on the elevator, mm-hmm. or go up and down the stairs, and you interact, and you don't have a lot of room to store food, so you have to. You probably are used to going out to eat a lot, or you know, so you have to get out and about with people. <clears throat> Whereas in the more rural areas, you, you're probably not going to interact with people as much. So I would think that in the next couple weeks, we'll find out how bad it hits everywhere. But I would imagine that certain parts of the country, you're going to have a flatter curve than others. Um, And my big concern from the start wasn't so much dying from this, even though, I mean, it's possible, but how much it's going to clog up the hospitals and prevent other people from surviving things that, you know, uh, either an illness or a trauma that in the past would have been relatively likely to survive, but now you can't because you don't have access to the same kind of uh, drugs and other things. Because the majority, the vast majority of our drugs come from China. China. (laughs) 
and um, they also come from India, but a lot of the the raw materials to make those drugs in India come from China. But isn't India, isn't India on a countrywide quarantine yep. at this point and, yep. and shelter in place? Yep. Have they and shut down their manufacturing? I don't know. I haven't read. I do know that with ventilators, I know somebody who's a pharmacist and <laughs> really? at a hospital. <laughs> yeah. How about that? <laughs> And uh, this person said that the drug that they use to keep people on ventilators because you have to sedate them, that um, there's a shortage of, of that drug. Um, so if to have somebody on the ventilator, they might have to resort to older drugs that didn't work as well, which means potential you're more probably going to have co- more negative outcomes. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Uh, now, one one thing that I heard, and I think Dave, I, t- I might have mentioned this yesterday, that um, ventilator technicians uh, are needed as well. So, just throwing a bunch of ventilator machines in a hospital doesn't necessarily answer the question or fix the problem. Uh, you still need some people to operate them because you can't just—I mean, I can't walk up and run that machine, but you need right. someone that's trained that's in it. What, you know, yeah, and we talked about that a little bit on group chat yesterday as well. That's. I think that's where this executive order um, is going to is going to kick in for pulling. You mean the, the uh, people in line reserves? Yeah, yeah. The ready yeah. reserves. I think not not just the reserves, inactive reserve. I know you know I've got I have a uh, a son who is active duty Navy, and his girlfriend is active duty Navy. She was actually headed to Texas to be an instructor. She's a respiratory nurse, and their or her orders have been put on hold, but yeah, they're talking about pulling all of those respiratory nurses, respiratory therapists, you know, they're talking about pulling all of them and pooling them to the hardest hit areas and deploying to New York, LA to be able to help with that. And not just, not just hands-on, but actually training people that would not normally be a ventilator tech, but Mm. training people that, um, you know, are doing other tasks within like maybe a radiologist to learn how to, to, run a uh, ventilator well i i know when i was on the ambulance service you would bring somebody in to the to the hospital and if they were in bad shape um you know the nurse anesthetist would intubate them typically but if that person wasn't available the doctor would have to do it even though the doctor doesn't do it very often um and sometimes they would have if the paramedic (laughs) backwards without hands um <clears throat> but i mean my point is you know i've been on calls where the doctor did stuff that they normally wouldn't do and so are you thinking you know, we're going to see uh people crossing over just because of the need yeah yeah which will affect oh, yeah. outcomes you know yeah. so there will be negative <clears throat> outcomes to all this sort of stuff uh, they're talking about trying to put two people on one ventilator. Um, yeah, but the negative outcome is going to net. It, it, it'll be a net positive. It'll yes. Just be, yep. the, the outcomes will not be as good as if it was a specialist, but the net result is still a positive. True. True. Absolutely. But that being said, you know, if the if the the mortality rate or fatality rate of somebody on a ventilator normally is 5%. It might rise to 
ten percent. Oh yeah, sure. And so the the uh, the outcome of people who have a serious um, who have a serious impact caused by the coronavirus, the the fatality rate or the mortality rate or whatever will go up. So I mean, and it, that's that's my big concern. Or you know, um, say somebody you find out you have uh, breast cancer, or colon cancer, or whatever, and you need aggressive surgery but you can't and you have to wait a month or two months or three months in order to, to get the chemo or whatever. Well, the outcomes of, of those type of people are going to go down dramatically too. So there's going to be all these knock on effects that are going to happen that are going to cause people to die that normally wouldn't die. I got a a question about, um, if we, that's why they want to flatten the curve. Right. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, and the logic, you know, the rationale makes some sense, but just a question to you. I mean, you, you've done a lot more background research on this, but kind of a, there's been a few decisions that have made that I feel kind of grain against, go against common sense. Um, I think, I think there's been a lot of decisions made um, that feel like they are counterintuitive, but, but just using a local example. So um, the, uh, county hospital, uh, so it's it's uh, the hospital in the town that I work, um, has not been affected from a coronavirus perspective yet. They are not overwhelmed with coronavirus patients at this point. Now, you know, given the projections, if they're semi-accurate, that could happen. But but to this point, hasn't happened yet. Um, however, a week and a half ago, because of um, or maybe it was only a week ago, uh, but regardless, uh, there, as a hospital, they shut down um, non-life-threatening surgeries, which is a fairly broad term. Elective um, surgeries? No, no, they didn't call it elective. They called it non-life-threatening, which, which huh. is different, but fairly broad term, right? Yeah. Um, the, but what that did to this hospital is all of the non-life-threatening surgery staff. So you're talking surgeons, surgery nurses, um, you know, all of the people that would be in the typical surgery department were laid off. So instead of reallocating those people to something else or instead of continuing with those surgeries until the workload um, prohibits it. What's the rationale behind that? You mean just stop, just stopping almost all medical procedures? Yeah, what's that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I can understand it, and and I'm not trying. I, I'm 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 sincerely asking. I'm not saying you know. Well, we're better off than New York, so you know we're bougie, so we should continue with these elective surgeries or non-life threatening. But really, I am curious. If the hospital where you are is not being overwhelmed and that staff is not or and or that staff is not being pulled into a community where they're being reallocated somewhere else, why actually make the decision to lay those people off and stop those 
procedures. Um, it, you know, maybe the administration is looking at saving money at this time, and they're only looking at the dollar, the bottom line. Um, I know where my work, wife works. She works at an assisted living and a memory care place, and the management there is just, just incompetent. Um, <laughs> but I mean, but we're we're not in, talking incompetence. We're talking so incompetent in general, or incompetent in the face of this kind of crisis crisis management. Uh, both. Like for instance, um, when this started coming down, they locked all the doors so the people on the inside, the older folks, couldn't go out, and if they went out, they couldn't get back in, unless. You know, they had to go to a doctor's appointment. But otherwise, you can't leave, can't come in. Nobody else can come in. Anybody who comes in has to have their temperature taken. Door is always locked, um, which makes sense, which is the best thing to do for the residents because the minute it, they start getting sick, it's going to go through and kill a bunch of them. So they're going to well, die. we saw that in Washington and Seattle area. Yeah. And so uh, they did it for like a few days. And the staff was complaining because they always had to go and let people in and outdoors and it was too much work. So they opened up the doors and let people come in and go as they please. <clears throat> yeah. Do you think um, that we are, because <clears throat> I'm just rolling about the like South Dakota public. Decision. Well, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. yeah. That's why I'm saying just complete incompetence. I'm rolling around the South Dakota Public Broadcasting's uh, website right now just to see what their headlines are saying. And they have a map of South Dakota on, on the side of the page. And it is the uh, updated daily. And it's the COVID-19 cases in South Dakota. So what they're doing, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a county map. And, yeah, but I don't like those maps. Well, no, those, yeah. maps are, no. those are terrible. Well, th yeah. this is my point: is when I look at this at a glance, I see a couple of huge counties out West River in the Rapid City area that are pink. They're they're colored, and what that shows is now we've got you know maybe twenty percent of South Dakota is a version of pink now. Now that. Looking at that, that's terrifying because what that says is that county, if you go in that county, holy cow, you're going to get this thing because it's in that county. Is that not deceiving why, at some that, level? That's part of why I don't like those maps. For yeah. Two reasons I really disagree with those maps. Um, the first is you're creating a, you're, you're creating a false narrative. Absolutely. In which those, those larger communities are testing more people because you have more people that are in the healthcare work field. So you're getting more positive mm -hmm. and people that are traveling. And so you, you've got this, it looks really bad in those large cities, but then you get out into some of the smaller communities and they're just simply not testing. So we had a doctor, one of our local doctors here in the town that I lived at a radio show. I wasn't able to listen to it, but my wife was telling me, and I've done some follow-up with a couple of others that listened. And he, he was pretty um, upfront in saying that he believes that this little community that we live has had cases as far back as January because when he takes a look from a medical perspective, he knows that he's treated, this, he's treated the symptoms from a classic perspective going back to January where he knew it was viral. Mm -hmm. It didn't test but it positive wasn't the flu. or anything yep. else, but the symptoms were completely classic. Yeah. 
And he says that they're still they're still dealing with those people now, but because they're only allowed to test medical personnel or uh, there's a the, narrow scope of who's getting right, tested yeah. right now. So you take a look at that map and it creates not only a false fear, but it creates a, a, a false comfort that we'll see. Out oh, in the world uh, area, yeah, we're there's not nothing really there. Exactly. Yeah. So those maps are just I think they're terrible. So uh, do you feel, and I, I certainly do based on a bunch of stuff I've read about uh, the flu season this year has been uh, kind of hard and there's been a lot of cases that were flu-like, but they weren't flu, you know, over the last several months. Um, is it fair to assume that this thing has been here and is here? And so we're maybe not seeing an uptick in new cases. All we're doing is we're now identifying existing cases. You know, I don't know. the The issue with that is that the uh, the R naught of it is anywhere from like two point six to mm-hmm. like five, depending upon wherever you're you're talking about, which is more than which Why is. Variant? What do you mean? What, what is that because of who you come in contact with, or how quickly? Uh, yeah, that's how, can that, how can that number be different? The average person would infect. Be, because I talked to uh, our Congressman Dusty no, Johnson yesterday. I know, what, yesterday. It, I know um, what it means. I'm asking you why there's a double variance between 2.3 uh, and 5. Well, I, I don't know what the the newest number is. Oh, okay. So I'm, t- uh, I'm just talking from when we talked, when the Congressman, um, when... Um, uh, Craig Weinberg, uh, the other guy, uh, actually Representative Johnson's interview. Yeah. yeah on, on, on the, on the interview Johnson's podcast. Interview. So if you go to ymilbank.com slash podcast, click on the interview. Uh, you'll hear an interview between, uh, uh, with the representative Dusty Johnson from South Dakota. He's our lone voice in the house. Um, he was saying Anyways, that the, well, he was saying he the R not two two point six. And he said, yeah. like, measles is 15, is what he said yeah. the R-naught is. So that that's kind of a... And I I don't know what his stats were. It is. Uh, okay. Yeah, no. The, yeah, that sounds that sounds right. But I know it's... And, and the regular flu is in the influenza. one point. But the regular flu is in the one point something, correct? So it's about a point yeah. off in the R-naught. Is that correct? Yeah. So if it was at... They uh, they did a um, uh, a genetic mapping of the virus from China, and uh, they have like twenty different types of of the virus that has mutated, and the mutations are just slight mutations, um, and they're all very similar. If it was that infectious a month ago, you would think that well one or two things one is perhaps it is that infectious and more and maybe not maybe it's that's the wrong number that 80 percent of people who get it get mild symptoms maybe 95 percent of people get mild or no symptoms you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and the only way you'd be able to figure that out is if you do a antibody test you'd have to draw people's bloods and you know do a titer basically but they there's no way that they're going to do that so So, because of that we won't ever know 
the actual extent of this, correct? I wouldn't think so. Well, and and I I guess can we even know the extent of influenza? We really can't because a, I would presume that the majority of people, and this is a guess on my part, but I would assume the majority of people that come down with influenza maybe don't go to the doctor. Is that is that accurate, or would that be incorrect to assume? I think that's a bad assumption. Really? I think so. My my opinion is, I think I think people get that sick with a, with a flu. I think they're going because they want to get some type of prescription relief. I think we've turned into, at least in Western culture, I think mm-hmm. we've turned into much more of a, of a go to the doctor. Um, but I think, I think the difference, the vast, in my opinion, I think the difference between comparing this to a flu from the numbers and um, COVID-19 is flu testing is much more accessible. It's cheaper and it's a lot easier for them to flu test and they get results much faster. Whereas COVID-19, the testing is more expensive, it's more invasive, it takes longer to get results, and they don't have as many testing kits available. So you're not testing as many people. So as of Mar- uh, March 7, I believe, was this data. This is from Rochester Regional Health. Uh, these are the f- It's a flu update. New March 2020 numbers are in, it says. Uh, while the public deals with the spread of the coronavirus disease 2019 uh, to New York State and major regions of the U.S., flu season remains underway with the latest data re- being reported by the CDC. So far this season, there have been 45 million flu illnesses, at least 300,000 ho- hospitalizations, and up to 46,000 deaths from the flu so far this season of which more than 100 are pediatric. Um, New York State is reporting 147,220 positive cases to date. Um, according to the CDC, the latest day ending March 7, so that's just a couple weeks ago, shows a 15% decrease in reported cases from the previous week. Would that have anything to do with this new disease? The 15% decrease? Yeah. I mean, is it possible that uh, that uh, some of these flu numbers are people that have flu-like symptoms, but it wasn't flu, but we're going to put it in the same category because it's the, it reacted very similarly, and now some of that's yeah, being the, tested, the and we have a name for it. Flu and COVID, there's there's some very significant differences. So I don't know if the medical community would make that mistake. Uh, going down farther, um, and here's the thing that I don't quite understand this. This blows my mind. And I'm not a stats guy. Um, the CDC reports that the percentage of deaths attributed to the flu and pneumonia is 6.8%, which is below the epidemic threshold of 7.3%. Okay. Could you say that those numbers again? Um, the CDC reports that the percentage of deaths attributed to flu and pneumonia is 6.8%, which is below... 6.8% of what? Uh, it says 6.8%. So I'm assuming that's of all cases, of all flu cases. Oh, no, no, it's not. Well, what, what is it the, then? No, the, the action for flu, the case fatality rate or whatever is like point. 
uh, percent. So then where is this hospital getting or point that one number? Percent, sorry. Um, then what is it referencing it? Well, and it says uh, the percentage of deaths attributed to flu and pneumonia is 6.8%, which is below the epidemic threshold of 7.3%. But this year's strain is unusual compared to previous years. And then it said influenza A appeared er, or influenza B appeared earlier this year than A, which is, is that, abnormal. Is that the number uh, of the people that die of pneumonia? Six point some percent. It says flu and pneumonia. The pneumonia. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, according to the CDC, roughly seventy percent of early flu cases were influenza B with about 30% being influenza A. Um, and th here's a stat that I don't get, and I don't know how they can claim this. And you you can maybe shed some light on this. Is the flu shot working this year? This is a question in the article. Uh, the flu shot is developed of, uh, of the start of each flu season to protect from strains of the flu. More than 170 million doses of the flu vaccine have been administered to fight this year's virus. Uh, so far in 2020, <laughs> it's this okay, number. Wait, I have, I have, I've got clarification on the numbers that Craig okay. gave. But I went out to the CDC site and I searched that. Those numbers are a week. It's for just in one particular week. So the number, the oh, the, okay. the death, the death percentage yeah. for flu and pneumonia in the given week mm -hmm. was that number that Craig was talking about. It actually went up last week. Excuse me. Yeah, last, this week it went up to 7.4%. So that it's epidemic so the, now. Well, the, the question mark is, are we having, and that's what this is asking. The question is, do we see more people dying of flu and pneumonia because they're not being treated correctly because we're diverting our treatment to the pandemic or potential pandemic of COVID? Now, here, here's the stat that I don't understand about vaccine, because I don't know how you even come close to knowing this number. They say so far in 2020, the vaccine is reducing doctor's visits by 45% overall. There can't be a way to know that. Can there? Well, you, yeah. You look at previous years and look at the number of visits caused by influenza and if the, you know, if there was a million visits last year and this year, there's only been 550,000, that's a 45% decrease. But to attribute that to the vaccine, isn't that a bold claim? Well. It's, it's sheer speculation, isn't it? Or would that be a quote unquote educated guess? Isn't that what well, Elvis I is at some point? If. If you gave the, the same or more vaccines this year than you did last year, and the number of people coming down with it have gone down, mm -hmm. then I suppose that's a, yeah, a reasonable guess. Is, uh, is Jay still? I'm not with sure. Us? 
we we I, I, I see the okay we just okay. lost we just lost your visuals that's all right just wanted to make sure yeah no I'm yeah, we didn't know I'm if we could start texting. talking about I you just or not got a headline that popped through that they're sending um, some U.S. Navy um, nursing ships up to New York and I'm, mm, I'm I saw to that text yes my son to find out if his girlfriend's on his way up too. You were also going to mention about or talk about uh, Minnesota shelter-in-place and law enforcement's job. Directive? Their orders? Their orders in... uh, Uh, Before we get there, though, I want to look at... I don't don't want him to to not get there. Right, okay. That's what I just brought so I, I want to kind of look at this. I just showed, shared you guys. It's an article from Fox News, I believe, yesterday. Uh, headline is Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, not sure if closing all businesses and keeping everyone home was the best public health strategy. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said Thursday that his stay-at-home order for the entirety of New York State was, pr- quote, probably not the best place health, best public health strategy. Uh, if you rethought that or had time to analyze that public health strategy, I don't know that you would have you would say quarantine everyone," he said during a press conference uh, in Albany. Uh, I don't even know that that was the best public health policy. Um, what we did was we closed everything down. That was our public health strategy. Just close everything, all business, all old workers, young people, old people, short people, tall people. Every school closed everything. He stressed uh, the need for both public health and economic growth. He said, we have to do both. We're working on it. Um, do you think that the, uh, would that be draconian steps to remove people's ability to wander about and, and do business is actually going to cause more damage than what this disease is or will? So what if this d- disease had a 50% fatality rate? Would, uh, would that be a reasonable step to shut everything down? You mean so we need to find the line and then stick yeah, to it? Yeah, that's, that's my point. Okay. Is um, maybe at a certain point that might be a – but – but the you know the the other thing is you have so many people that will not will not change your behavior. Yeah. I mean, look at the that's the key. And so, what else but, are you going well, to do? Okay, at but, least it might slow it down. So, it, as a as a freedom lover, what does that mean? Uh, for Americans, for citizens. I mean, do we not have the right to make our own decisions? <clears throat> or or uh, is it well, because that, this is such okay. a big, fat yes unknown? And, yes and no. I think... Go ahead, Jay. I think I've got some feedback going on. Well, I think um, yes and no. When Yes, you can make your own decisions. However, when your decisions begin to affect others' decisions, that's, the, that's why murder is illegal. If, I, if my decision is I happen to enjoy hunting people, well, that imposes a safety risk against other people. So now you have to change the rule. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I think one of the things that we have to recognize here, or at least I, I believe we should recognize, is this is an unprecedented situation. Did you say it is or it is not? That have never had to deal with this before at this magnitude. So expecting them to know what the right answers are, I think you're to some degree they're throwing darts at a dartboard to make an attempt to do what they think is going to be best. And then I, I got to give a little bit of credit to some of the leaders that are taking a step back and saying, okay, maybe that decision wasn't the best decision, but we're doing what we can to try to figure it out along the way. Yeah, but aren't we just hanging out right on the top of a really muddy, steep hill? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a different conversation that I'm well, not how, sure I would disagree how? with. But How is it different? Because if we say, oh, that decision wasn't the best choice, but when we made it... We destroyed half of the economy, and we, we tore apart Main Street America, which, I mean, small, small business Main Street America is what keeps it alive. I mean, big business cannot keep small towns together. Big business is designed for urban, big areas, which I get. You got a but, ton of people in one spot, but, so then you go down the road. But, but small town America is really potentially going to get destroyed for a long time. If this keeps going, keeps on. I think there would be a lot of globalists and other people in power who would think that would be a wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Future. <clears throat> uh, this is an opportune moment. I think Rahm Emanuel said but, that, didn't he? What's that? I think Rahm Emanuel said that, didn't he? <laughs> Don't oh, let a good I, crisis I go to waste. How, however, um, you, you have like like Jay was saying, you have leaders that have never had this happen before. Yeah. This this has not happened before to this extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never happened in our lifetime. It happened in the past. Of course it happened in the past, but not in our lifetime. And on top of it, um you have uh, Trump, he's going to have one person screaming in the ear to do one thing. In the other ear, he's going to have somebody screaming in his ear to do another thing. Mm-hmm. He has to make a decision. And I guarantee you, whatever his decision is, it's going to be the wrong one. Because to it's either going to be too much or not enough. Yeah, And that's how it is going to be across the board. And there is no way to prove mm-hmm. that you made the right decision. There's, there is none. Yeah. Um, and so when they make these, if you knew for a, ma- a matter of fact that the decision that they made saved your parents' life, you'd be okay with it. But if you knew for a matter of fact that the decisions that they've made, that you would lose everything that you have and wouldn't have impacted other people's lives, you'd be totally against it. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's no way of knowing. So it, they do the best that they can, supposedly. I mean, that's assuming positive motives on some of these people. But I I mean, when it comes down to what do you do, it's what's the price you're willing to pay based upon the information that you have. 
Well, it, okay, then I think that's kind of where I'm wondering is what's the best option? Do you err on the side of overboard, too much overreach, or do you err on the side of, of uh, caution to the other could, to the other side? That that depends on your perspective of what your what your goal is. If your goal is to stop the spread of something, then do you err on the side of caution and give people the choice to make? Sound decision. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something that was brought up in the in the Representative Johnson interview that I think was a very valid question. But how do you? What's the right answer? Yeah. Do you give Do you give the the choice to the people to use common sense and say, Hey, okay, maybe I should stay home. Well, the challenge is, I think, what I've seen from leadership is they the most leadership, and I think Governor Waltz in Minnesota is a good example of that. Um, primarily because I, I live here, so that's the news that I hear more, um, and maybe other leaders have done the same. But you have this this idea of let's do this in little steps. We're going to ask people to not go and sit inside of restaurants, and we'll ask people to not go to the fitness center, and ask people to use some common sense when going out in public. And then you watch what happens, and you end up with a, a group of people maybe even a majority, I don't know, that don't take it seriously or they don't follow the suggestion. Well, then you have to tighten the rules down a little bit. And I think if you look at it from a parental perspective, as a parent, do you tell your kids, hey, I, I think it might be a good idea if you didn't play out in the street, you know, so, so why don't you think about it and maybe not play in the street? Or do you create a, a very hard, fast rule that says don't play in the street? And then if they go play in the street and they use bad judgment, then what do you do? Then you change the rules. But then I, 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 I totally agree with that. But there's also another aspect that is a double-edged sword in our society. You haven't had so many people who believe in the flat earth since whenever. And why is that? In my opinion— it's because you can go on the internet and find people who have websites dedicated to the flat earth or who go around and propagate it and go on coast to coast AM and say X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And people will go, okay, that's it. Uh, they've been lying to us. Or you can listen to, to anybody about anything. So you have, you can go out on the internet right now and get information that might be completely false, but it seems completely right. And you have a ton of people who uh, don't believe that this is a big deal or that they're being lied to in one way or another, which also reinforces the attitude that I shouldn't have to listen to the, to the government, to what the government has to say, because um, they're lying to me. And what can you do about that? I, I, and then on top of it, you have more and more people who are more and more their own God, who um, what they say goes. They live as they live as functioning atheists, as if um, what is the most important thing in the world is how they feel and how they think, and and. And being told what to do, that's going to be offensive to those people as well. I, so doesn't it fly in the I'm face of— I'm not saying of, that's the majority. Right, but, but, but doesn't I mean, this idea that the government can and is proper 
to walk in and dictate uh, what we're allowed to do, how we're allowed to do business. Uh, I mean, I mean, we're running a business. They do that um, all the time. Well, no, though. I understand that, but to come in and blanket say no one, uh, and then to say, and you can only be outside of your home for a couple of reasons, period. And you can't be, now, you can't if, socially. So I, I'm calling this thing social discipline, because that's what we're being we're being taught. We're being taught social discipline right now. By the government. If there wasn't a pandemic going on, I totally agree with you. But since there is something going on that is outs- that um, is going to adversely impact a lot of people, um, I w- I would say that that might be the government's prerogative to do that sort of thing. When when there's a war during World War II. You couldn't do whatever you wanted. You couldn't go wandering around trying to make other people Nazis, uh, you know, or uh, <clears throat> you couldn't spy on your own government. Uh, if that's what you wanted to do, if that's what made you happy, if that, you know, you can't, th- there's always rules on everything. And we, this, this really is pretty un- unprecedented. So I, you know. This isn't it, normal. It, well, it's t- absolutely, but I, I just look at it from the, the small government mind that I prefer to be. Uh, I just look at it as uh, we are opening Pandora's box and we don't know what's happening. And yes, pandemic, whatever, fine. Um, that potentially is a valid reason to at least put some things in place. I'm not going to say that there should be no oversight by some uh, authority or whatever. That's okay. But... I struggle when it is uh, based on data that you can find different data that people are are claiming. And so whose do you believe? Like the 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 bend the curve thing. This is the the biggest frustration that I have is we gotta flatten the curve, flatten the curve, flatten mm-hmm. the curve. That we've got sold that. I mean that bill of goods got sold to us a couple of weeks ago. And everyone used the exact same graph. You could do go you, to the same. But do oh. you think that premise is false? No, but well, I think the data is false that they started from because they claimed it was. The people said, we are guessing. We don't know about this. We don't know like uh, regional numbers. We're just taking blanket numbers and then applying it across the board. And so, so they, they, and, and they, they're going out two and three cycles of this disease and so what's so happening is, is well, well, hold on, though. Hold, hold on. Before they can make a decision? No, 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 no. But models and <laughs> computer models are never good to base policy off of. They're good for to, to start the process of talking about things, but you don't base policy off of model. Look at global warming. It was the same thing. I mean, look back to Al Gore's first un- inconvenient truth. How much of that well, stuff came wait, true? Wait, 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 no, wait, hold on, hold okay, on, wait, 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 hold on. We have a, a latency issue here. Um, the that was built on the same kinds of models based on the input data they put in, and we ran, and they tried to force, and they did get some governments to create policy based on data that has not played out true. Uh, I just saw, Apples and I've and oranges. Uh, not really because it's a computer model. Yeah, it is. No, it can't be. Yes. Hey, can I, can I, I, I think there's a flaw in your logic, though, and the flaw in your logic with, I'll just go back to the global warming. 
from global warming, we don't have history to look back on data, so there's theory in the extrapolation of data moving forward. In something like this, we do have some history to take a look and go back and look at real statistics from a modeling perspective. But I want to ask a, I want to ask a question, you know, just curious, Alan, if how would you feel? Because you and I, I think all three of us would agree that we're all small government people. We all would prefer there would be a much smaller government and leave much more choice to people. So I don't know that from a from a foundational perspective, we disagree fully in that. But I think how where I, where I'm going to part ways with the thought process on this with you is. What would your thoughts be if choice continued to be left up to the people and then this pandemic gets ahead of us and we can't get in front of it? Is there then the criticism that, well, why didn't the government do more if they kind of if they knew what was coming? Oh, I, I think you're going to get that. Cri- well, you get that criticism now, depending on the. No, the, I'm asking you. Me? I'm asking you specifically, because right now you're you're asking the question is the government overstepping too much? And I'm asking, well, if they didn't, and this gets and this gets away from them, would you ask the opposite question? Why didn't they do more? I guess uh, my bigger issue is less about so far the government intervention and more about the panic that's being perpetrated on, and I'll call it terrorism. On the American public by the media, and and, well, and but but let's hold on. Well, no, people. I understand that, but let's let's go on because um, the back to the the curve graph that everyone sees, the one we see, the it, it it's the scary spike up, and then we've got a flatter one, and then there's all these points. This is what's going to happen by this point. Governor Walls the other day when he announced it, he said, if we do nothing. Based on that information, we're going to have, what, two million some people die. And that's kind of ludicrous. But he also made Why? the claim. Well. Uh, oh, okay. I'm sorry for interrupting. Keep going. Keep <laughs> he, going. Also, he also made sorry. the claim. He said the, the, um, the actions we've taken to flatten the curve don't work. They're not working. All, it, all, we're, all these actions are doing is it's moving out that that spike. He said, we're going to hit the spike. It's going to come. But we just have to push it farther out so we can be better prepared in our ICU beds to handle it when it comes. He said, that's the reason you have to stay home, that you guys currently, you're both in Minnesota, you guys have to stay home for two weeks because you're not going to, the virus doesn't go away after the end of two weeks at all. It's still there. You're going to still run into it. It's going to be the same problem. It's just we're waiting. We're pop, pop, basically we're holding off the flood until we can be better prepared. And if that logic, I don't necessarily disagree with. But you're, but I think the assumption that you're making there, or I, I feel like the assumption that you're making there, not feel, I think, I think the assumption that you're making is is similar to the question posed to Representative Johnson, which is. Um, I don't believe that Governor Waltz was making the claim that the number of cases in Minnesota is is a fixed number, and by delaying it two weeks, we're going to get the same number of cases. I think that it's twofold. We're going to the goal the goal 
is to, is to reduce the number of cases while at the same time pushing the peak further out. It's, it's a twofold goal. It's not, they're not one or the other. No, but, but and I, I, I agree with that. I, well, yeah, he's out. Uh, I agree with that. The, um, but he's Sorry, the only he's the only politician <laughs> that I've heard so far in, in that governor type position that didn't say we're gonna lower the number of cases overall. He basically said, and maybe he's changed his tune in the last few days after that. I don't know, uh, but he basically said we just need to be able to prepare because we aren't prepared. Now he governs the state that has some of the best medical people in the world in it. I mean, the, the Mayo Clinic is up there in the world as one of the best. So I can't imagine that he is getting um, really poor medical advice. I mean, unless he's well, a moron and not listening to the right people. They're, but they're all, they're all saying before you can get hurt, what they call herd immunity, you need like 70 or 80% of the people to get it. Correct. So when he says you're not going to lower the number of people, if that's the case... Uh, if you're not, yeah, and I don't know if he said that or not, but if he did, um, <clears throat> all it means when you flatten the curve, I mean, they, they all, they all will say they don't know exactly how this is going to present over time, but they also are running from the playbook of the uh, 1918 pandemic on how it on how it hit, and there was one in the 50s, on how it hit, and it was multiple waves. Um, barring a vaccine that comes in and works perfectly, every, you know, the majority of people are going to get it. So you're not wow. going to stop people from getting it. The flattening the curve part is ultimately so that everybody doesn't get it at the same time. But... So that's what they want to do. And if you can't do it, if you know that there's going to be this wave as flat as you get it, there's going to be a wave that's going to hit that is going to uh, uh, exceed your resources. You want to push it out so that you do have as much resources as you possibly can to hit the, uh, to uh, to uh, react to the wave when it actually hits you want to push out further and further. And that's what they're doing. I mean, it's like preparing for a hurricane. You know the hurricane, hurricane's coming. It's coming. If there was a way to push it out another week, you could either evacuate people or get pre, you know, stage equipment and, and other things. You know, So it's the same principle of what he's doing. Right, but the difference, the difference in what I hear, at least what I, what I heard from Governor Waltz and the analogy that you used with the hurricane and what I hear Alan saying is with the hurricane, you know it's coming and you begin to prepare people in coming. And that doesn't mean the hurricane doesn't come and it doesn't mean the hurricane doesn't come with the same force that it would have if you didn't prepare. But the difference is you end up reducing the lives that die because you're preparing people um, in advance so that they can get out of the way. Now, the analogy breaks down because of the virus. You can't necessarily get out of the way completely, but yeah. you not only reduce the impact because you're reducing social contact. So you're, you're reducing the 
the impact of the virus on the quantity of people by making them more conscious and and distancing but you're also you're also pushing the timeline of when that virus reaches its peak as far as saturation of people infected by keeping pe- as many people as possible away from each other so it's twofold you're not you're not taking the same number of people that are going to be affected and just moving moving that number or maybe not affected, but affected at the at the intensity level. You're not just moving the same fixed number to a later date. Sure, Alan, your your kind of premise, it seems, is that uh, that the government is kind of lying. No, 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 no. The no. severity. I, I don't think that the government is lying. I think that the initial data they it started from was inaccurate and based on so, reading reading articles uh, that have uh, direct quotes from the people that made the data they started running from now that doesn't necessarily mean that what they currently use um, isn't more accurate because I would hope that they are using up-to-date data to try to to try to uh, to make their models a little more current but the original data, and, and I'm going primarily off of the visuals that I see on the social media, uh, the visuals I see when I look at um, Congress and I look at some of these governors that are talking, and they have the, the piece of paper graph behind them. And that graph shows the exact spike data. And if we don't do it by now, and I'm amazed at how many people, and maybe maybe I'm just... Maybe I'm a moron and we need a government to control us because we are so stupid. It's possible. But it's amazing to me how many people that I thought were intelligent, they are absolutely begging. I'm, and, and this is across the social medias and it's typically on the left. They are begging and begging and begging the government to step in and shut every business down. They are begging them because the only people that can fix this is the government. And I'm, no, I don't I, think it's because the only people that can fix this is the government. No, 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 think, no, no, no. That's what where, they think. Where I think you're, go ahead. No, that that's what they're saying is that from their position. So what I'm hearing from a lot of people out there on the social medias is, oh, the only answer is government. Huh? And if you don't do it, we can't. Well, we're all gonna die. But I think that's because what's been proven over the last three or four weeks since this has really kind of taken on a big, a big life of, uh, in the United States, is the small measures in giving people the choice have not been working properly, and people are not making those choices as a general broad brushstroke. So, it, 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 again, I go back to that, you know, as a parent-child mentality, when you give your kids choices you've got to be very careful at the choices that you make with or that you give your children and that you're comfortable with the decisions that they make and i think that's where the government came from as a broad brushstroke again is let's do a little bit and try to get people to act on their own responsibly and then when that didn't happen now we've got to we we have to be more strict and be more strict until finally it looks draconian but it's really draconian because people haven't made the right choice. And, and I'm going to be real forthright and say in the beginning, I didn't make the right choices either. 
I was still going out in public. I was still like, hey, I'm young and, and, and or younger-ish and I'm healthy, so it's not going to affect me. But but I come home to somebody that has asthma and is at higher risk. Well, am I doing her a favor by doing that? Uh, you know, so I think the draconian nature with air quotes that that's being pushed out now is because people initially were not making the the sound choices. So there has to be an overcompensation in order to shut this down. But this all goes know. back to the this underlying premise. And, and again, maybe I'm just naive. The underlying premise that the people, the, the parent in the room is the government. Is that the way we need to look at this? Is our parent the government? Because if that's the case, we're not free who, people who else, at all. Who else has the authority to make the decision, though? And I want to I want to make sure. Well, well so, may, hey, maybe we've gone too far down the, the road then. To make that decision. Well, maybe what? who maybe we've gone too far down the road of depending on a government that that we're too far down. We're already halfway down the slippery slope, and it's just inevitable. It's possible that that's where we are. But who else makes that decision? Who else has the authority to make that decision? Well, in the perfect world, we would make the right choice. Has that worked? Well. Has that worked in this survival? Scenario? Well, it depends. Um, On what? Well, th- there are certain people in the town across the, the um, border from us that you guys are both familiar with that are terrified because of what's in the news and what they've heard. They're just um, like they don't they don't want to walk outside their door because they're just absolutely freaked out. Now, I don't think that's just across the river from where you live. Well, I no, think there but there are some of those people everywhere. Well, of course and there then are. On the, but you go to the opposite end of the spectrum, and you have people that think this is completely ridiculous, and they're doing whatever they want despite the directive. Where does it end? I, I think is my thing is if we've started this thing, and if uh, if it's true that we aren't going to see, I mean, I, um, let's go back. It's not going to be done in two weeks. Like, once people start going out again, which I don't believe, because I think in another week, like in your state, I, I'm going to project that what's going to happen is in a week or so into this, we're not going to see much difference. And they're going to say, you know, we're going to have to extend it because they just extended just two days ago. I just read on uh, Minnesota, the governor's website, they just extended the closure of all the restaurants through May 1st. Now, it was going to be in... Yep. Um, in yeah. April, they just extended that. I think schools. So, I think schools got extended to distance learning through May also. Yeah. So, or so up to May. Yeah. So my point is, I don't see how this stops. Like I think we're running into the summer, if not farther, with these directives from these governments to say you can only go out for essential things, and that's it. Period. I mean, th- this so, this to me, this long term changes America. Mike, this is my question, and this is a legitimate question too, because I want to know what you, uh, where you're coming from. If you knew everything that the government is saying about this uh, was very severe, and if you knew, if you knew absolutely that it was going to hit every community. And probably 3% of the community uh, is going to die. Parents are going to die. 
uh, pastor of the church is going to uh, might die, uh, or your parents might die. <clears throat> if you knew that for a fact, it was going to happen. You know it was going to happen. Um, until there was a uh, either um, medication that can uh, uh, treat it or a vaccine that'll come out in a year or a year and a half, would you be okay with the government doing what they're doing? I don't know. Okay. Well, so, Craig, b- b- because sorry. let me ask this question. <laughs> okay. Because I think I know. I I, I think. I understand where you might be coming from, so I'm going to ask you. I, I think that you and I share this thought process that there is an overstep, or maybe not an overstep. I'm not so sure that this is an overstep, but you and I share the thought process that it is unprecedented the amount of control that is being pushed from federal, state, and county governments Unchecked. Onto, onto the people, the citizens. Mm-hmm. It is an unprecedented amount of control that is being driven from the top down with an absolutely unprecedented lack of civil pushback. Resistance. Is that accurate yeah. that, you, that you think that way? Well, yeah, because I, I am amazed that we haven't seen... Um, like riot, not riots, because I don't know if we're there yet. Well, we will be soon. As soon as you can't buy toilet paper, there will be riots in the street. Um, okay, so now, so that's if, the if threshold. I, if I follow, <laughs> if I, yeah, if I follow your thinking, because I, I'm going to agree with you that the amount of control that has been pushed out by governments at all levels is unprecedented, combined with the unprecedented lack of civil uprest or up, uh, uprising because of that control, then the real question maybe that you're asking, or at least the question that I've been asking myself and others is, right now, maybe that control is appropriate given the circumstances, but that's making a decision and looking at that decision in a vacuum. If I take a step back and I look at this decision from a satellite view, then my question and my cynicism comes into play with, do I believe that the, the government at all levels is taking a look at this and putting this in their lessons learned of how much control can we assert into the future and what can we get away with and how do we get away with it when we want to create a situation? That's the trust that I don't have. Is that maybe where you're coming from? Well, well, that's why I keep going back to we are either on the edge or we're down, started down the muddy hill. Because I do believe that, uh, and, and it goes back to, I, I don't know how we get out of this. Because if we have an unknown uh, or an unseen killer, I mean, Trump has called this a war. We are at war with this. It's an enemy. So th- this is really World War III, if we're honest about it. Um, it I mean, he, he in the the power that's been taken from the private sector and uh, usurped by the by the government, just in GM and Ford being mandated and forced to start making different things um, under the War Powers Act, essentially. Um, the uh, uh, the the private businesses that have been 
uh, potentially shuttered in this as a way to stop this unseen enemy. Um, Now, again, I'm not advocating any kind of position that says this is not happening, people aren't dying, there's not a disease. That's not what I'm saying. My point is, how far is too far, and how do we get back out from under this control? I don't see it. I don't see us out from under these orders of social discipline uh, for months, if not years. So you're thinking that this is a vehicle of tyranny? You're thinking years of this? Absolutely. Really? How how do you get out of it? Because uh, first off, if this will go in cycles with the seasons, potentially, we have at minimum two years of seasons before we're going to see anything. Um, uh, Dr. Right, but don't forget, don't forget that there, uh, there is work being done on the pharmaceutical side to treat the symptoms and, and, uh, minimize the, the effects of the virus. So there, there's work being done there. So two years from now, I would even, I would even contend six to 10 months from now, there's going to be treatment methods that turn this into more of something like a uh, a SARS or a flu where it can be treated and then you're not in the the pandemic world because we can treat it when it hits. We have so never we have ne- like uh Tammy flu for influenza kind of thing. That's okay. what they used to t- treat influenza, Tamiflu. I, see, I I would possibly agree with that. Except looking at the globe from a satellite view, there ha- has there been anything that has captured the world like this before? that we know of but there's oh, been but, nothing that has shut down the world like no this. and that's what i mean well, that's I why there, i don't I see this was, thing no, coming no, no, out anytime soon I like where i disagree with that i think i think there's been nothing like this in in the history that we're aware of that that has existed with the communication methods that we have in order to notify people but this i mean we've had plague we've had plagues in the past that oh yeah, but not, that went global like this. No way. Experience. No, no, Nobody not that's went global like this. this. No, but come on. If you think, do you think that if we had social media and the media and um, the news and video, if we had this type of communication in 1918, do you think that it would have been treated differently? I, I guess I well, have a hard did, time comparing those. About, they didn't know about viruses and things like that at that time yeah so i i, no, I don't think my, like this my, is my point i think my point is that communication the world is much smaller now we're able to communicate and you know president trump or president Xi or they can get on the news today and be heard simultaneously around the world that didn't exist that didn't exist 100 years ago yeah but with, but with zika i mean that that was a possible panic people freaked out about that didn't turn out to be global uh, Ebola wasn't global. SARS really wasn't global to this extent, was it? They didn't have the R naught that this one has, though. So that that's and the with panic. Globalism. Yeah, I mean that's. So that's it, the issue. is this not um, a, a potential dry run at seeing what we need? Gordon Brown just he's advocating for a global government to really tackle this. I mean, with that that's what we need. We, we need oh, a global bet. body that's going to actually manage this. Um, we have the World Health Organization that is uh, setting some policy. Like, they're the ones that, that place some, uh, that call this things. Uh, the guy that runs that, HID in Ethiopia, 
he hid different diseases and outbreaks uh, because it doesn't look good. So I, I am skeptical at some of these bodies that are making decisions and that are setting some of the policy, but all of that doesn't matter other than we're already down the road, the door's open, we are out of the gate. How in the world do we get the horse back in the gate? And I don't know how we do that for years. David, you tackle that first because I've got some thoughts about the global government and the who on this one and and where I think there's limitations. But you start before I talk. Uh, I, I think when it comes down to it, this is uh, this is potentially going to be a good thing um, because it is putting the spotlight on globalism that led to this. Uh, if you didn't have such extreme interconnectedness uh, between all the countries, you wouldn't. This probably wouldn't have spread as fast as it has. And it's also putting a spotlight on China and our reliance on China, which is basically an enemy of ours. So this might be, this might actually have the opposite effect of uh, more tyranny. So you're telling me though, in that, and I don't disagree with that at all because it's possible that this is a play, a bit long game play by Trump. Because I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea that he's just a long game player uh, to try to force some manufacturing back in America, get us off of some of our reliance on China, uh, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that 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 would China. That's not bad at all. Um, China. But you, are you going to tell me that these Democratic governors, these liberal governors, are going to after they've taken this kind of power and control over their people are going to willingly back off again and say, Oh, you're right. Yep. Yep. We're all done now. That's all good. We're out of it. No problem. So now you, you people, we're not going to invade your life anymore. They're going to, it's a step too far. And so now they're going to be closer. Oh, I, I I don't doubt that at all. That is my whole premise. Absolutely positive that they're going to be. That's my whole frustration. This is going to, these controls are going to recede. But I think that's where this you much, and I agree. Just I a little the, bit. I think the controls. No, I think the controls are going to. They're going to recede. I, I don't think this will go on forever. Um, I do believe the controls are going to recede. But I do think, um, and I'm not a fool in believing that these ideas of controls are going to go into the front pocket of the players, and this is going to be. How do we control? Mm-hmm. And does this does this give us uh, not us, but does this give them the people that want to assert control at that level? Does this give them an idea of okay, well, if we work with the media and we create a fear, whether real or not, mm-hmm. we can control, mm-hmm. of course. But going to your glo- your global government thought, you know, whether it you know with the WHO um, or any global government at that point, I think right now. Um, I think your first world governments are still too independent, whether it's from a power perspective or a pride perspective. Your first world governments are too independent to look to a global organization to govern them. Um, I, I think from a global perspective, having communication is good. 
Um, but I don't think you're going to get some of your first world governments, your UK's, your, you know, clearly your Italy's, your France's, your United States, they're not going to receive that control, especially when you have conservatives in power right now, like Trump, they're not going to receive that level of control up to the global side. I'm less worried about the other countries ceding their control more uh, my, my concern is in america like our local and state governments not being like like ha- liking this control how about that especially in the ones that are controlled by the left i just don't see it going well until until this is over which i don't know how I, again i don't see how this is over for for months 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 and many of them well, they're they're not going to control without a pretext. I know the pretext is we is we control. still have this. The pretext is we still have this unknown scary thing that's going to kill you because <clears throat> it's not eradicated. We haven't gotten rid of it yet. So what I want to know is once it gets to flu numbers, are they going to say, "Okay, good, we're, we're out" because the flu we're we're the flu deaths are acceptable for us. We've never had a problem with the flu deaths. And so we got this down to flu death rates. And so we're good. It's awesome. We're going to back off just like we were. I don't see that happening because we have an unknown scary guy that we can keep people under wraps with under the guise of we don't know where this thing is. We don't know when it's going to come back. We don't know. And it's true. We don't know. No, I think, I, I think that the people, the, the general people are not ready for that level of control, so that's where the uprise would come into play. Then but how? I can see, I can see where it will be easier in the future to push this level of control, and there may not be as many small steps to get to this level of control. Maybe the next time this happens in a year or two or three, the level of control is pushed in a much quicker fashion directly to, you know, shelter in place from a federal level. All right. I agree. I still contend this is a good, it's a good, it's a good trial run at how easy it is. And, and, you know, we can beat this horse to death. And so we're probably going to be done with this for now. Um, but I don't know. But again, I don't think I don't think either one of us are arguing with you on that point. I just mm-hmm. think it's, you know, is what they're doing wrong. And I think that's maybe where we disagree. I'm not sure that it's wrong, but I think that all three of us agree that this is going to be put in the front pocket playbook of people that want to be able to assert this level of control. And how are they are they already figuring out? Or thinking totally. of scenarios oh, yeah. in which they can make oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. news media fear. Of course they are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, you know, I'm in a little bit different position than you two only because I own a business on Main Street. And so when I have the government come to me and tell me that I, in order to be open, essentially, I have to have a health checklist posted on my front door. And then I have to force people to read that before they're allowed entry into my business. I don't get to make the call. The government gets to make the call. That it, it's, it goes back to my private property rights come first mentality. And I 
will make the decision, and I we have, we've made the decision to essentially remove just people off the street into our business. You got to have an appointment to get in the door. It's posted on the door. You cannot walk in without an appointment. And that's the decision we had to make. Um, it's uh, We are closer than I ever thought we'd be to having to shut our business down because of this, uh, because of the government's um, uh, decisions around the country. Uh, I have no access or very minimal access to getting any product created for any of my clients over the next a minimum two weeks, if not three um, events that we have, we count on every year. And it's not just me. I mean, this is across the country. So it's not like it's, they're hammering me. It's, I prefer to be like, as a conservative, I believe that the people are the best decision makers of their resources and their property. And so I struggle anytime the government wants to come in and take any of that away from me, whether it be temporary or permanent. That's my struggle. And, and it's something that I probably will never get to fully live in a, in a universe that is adequate for me. And I'm, I mean, I don't have a choice. I'm okay with that. But that really is, is one of my frustrations is uh, last Monday, the, the city council in this town voted unanimously in a, in a, in a hurried, rushed meeting over the phone where they didn't have to look at any of their any of the citizens in the eyeball when they made the decision to ban uh, restaurants from having people inside. Then we got clarification that you could walk in to pick up your order, but you couldn't be within six feet of someone. I don't know how you pick up the order then. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of things that, as a business owner, I am frustrated with. As a private citizen who has a house. I'm frustrated that if my kids go out in the yard and play on the sidewalk and they're not more than six, they're closer than six feet apart, we are looked at incorrectly. In Kentucky, there's a hotline. You can call and narc on your neighbor. You can snitch on your neighbors if you see them violating the stay-at-home rule. What in the world are we, where are we going to? So this, to me, this is the whole thing that frustrates me and it's, Partly because I never thought I would see our government be able to take this over. And, you know, if we had the Russians on our border, you know, they were at the gate knocking down, trying to get, or the Germans were flying toward our air sky. And we said, all right, they're coming. They're over there. We need to get down. That I get. This unseen, and again, I'm not trying to downplay the people that have died or are ill, but this unseen massive panic is what I am frustrated with. And I think the news media should be held up on terrorism charges. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that nothing is going on out there. Oh, not at all. You're right. Okay. But that, that that's what's going on inside my head. And that's why you're, I... You're that's why my You're blood pressure goes up. You're frustrated at the impact that the government's decision is making on you and your business. Well, my my family and our community and, and, and what it means going <clears throat> forward. Because I just don't see how this lifts anytime soon. I don't. I really don't. But with that, we need to take a little break. Um, this is the David Allen Show. We'll come back. We, I want to talk about this outrageous... $6 trillion package that got passed 
and we'll talk about how about that uh, well it's uh, I want effect, one that uh, effectively six with what they gave the Fed. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I also I'm, wanted before we drop it. I wanted uh, Jay to talk. Oh, about... okay. All right, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a note. So, Alan, do you want to do you need to take a break? No, go ahead. No, no. If, if you have make... a thought on this topic, stay with it, and we'll, we'll do that, and then we'll we'll take a break, and then come back to the uh, the bill. You and garbled, maybe if there's some other. Garbled. You want me to talk about it now or after? Yes, break? now. Go. Now. Go. So okay. So David, you're asking me about local local authority on what how yep. they're ah, kind of yes, handling yes. this. Yes. Okay. So, yep. uh, so I live in one county and work in another, and I will say that uh, the county in which I live, um, I have heard very directly uh, that law enforcement has been instructed to not proactively pull people and not proactively seek reasons to um, hold people accountable to some fairly, uh, we'll call them petty crime, um, in order to limit exposure. And then the county in which I work, which is larger and has um, some more challenges with uh, some uh, drug challenges, um, uh, that, um, that chief law enforcement officer there um, is taking the other approach and saying, you know, the, the in that the doors are open and we are going to continue to operate as law enforcement officials without minimizing uh, our pullovers or our petty theft arrests or even larger, um, uh, you know, seeking out larger criminal activity. But I do think it's interesting. I struggle with the responsibility level of head law enforcement agencies making making the decision to intentionally not pull people over or not seek retribution on petty crime mm-hmm. uh, because they want to minimize exposure of their officers. Um, I, I think that's a very dangerous decision to make. And um, so those are two situations that I know of very directly um, but I can't help but think that that's just a, a small sampling of decisions that are being made in larger areas. Well, I, I've heard that same directive uh, from a note I heard on a podcast from a cop in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Same thing. Basically, let let almost everything slide unless it's major. And what does that say to the society about uh, the rule of law? Well, you're asking people to make the best decisions that they can make. Yeah. That's what you want, right? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> but in terms of, of pulling over, speeding tickets are not a crime. Anything that's this a is pe- true. petty misdemeanor in, in Minnesota is not a criminal offense. So they're actually not... So they shouldn't uh, be the ones uh, enforcing that anyway? No. No. But you have to make decisions, too. If If you have a law enforcement agency that has four people in it and one of them or two of them get sick mm-hmm. and they're out mm-hmm. because if you get sick, you're going to be at home for two weeks. You're not going to be doing anything. You're not pulling anybody over. You're not interviewing any, you're not, you're not coming into work. So you go from four people to two people. You still have 24 hours a day where you have to be called out. Why would you threaten uh, 
because ultimately serious potential crimes can actually continue to happen and you need law enforcement presence right but but you're making you're you're making the um making the assumption that to pull somebody over you have to actually um, be in close enough quarters with that you would get infected we have we in this state we have the ability to deal with all ticketing electronically so you know an officer could pull somebody over and in theory never even get close enough to them uh, and deal with it all electronically. Uh, really? So, so why pull so them over then? Just give, give them the ticket the and send them to it. Is, how, how do you know the person who's driving is actually the person? What do you mean? Um, so you pull somebody over. What do they always ask for? Driver's license, sure. insurance, registration. Yeah, so how, how do you get that you without contact? Okay, so I, I, I hear you on the not asking for insurance, but it wouldn't be that difficult to say, read me your driver's license number. But if you don't, what's the enforcement? And, you and, then break the door down and arrest them? Because now you just violated your social distancing rule. Well, my, my point is, anytime that you interact with somebody, you have the potential yeah. exposure. You walk up to the car. What are you going to do? Everything over a loudspeaker? <laughs> you walk up to the car, and the person rolls down the window yeah. and says, uh, "Yes, officer," and coughs. You know, I all I'm saying. No, then is, then you get arrested for criminal. Um, right. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Well, then you get arrested for criminally make uh, brandishing a weapon. Yeah, well, and I and I, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I hadn't thought of that perspective before, but I, I believe, I believe there are methods of, um, there are enough methods of restricting um, contact that some of that, I, I think it is a dangerous concept to um, to blanketly reduce law enforcement interaction. Now, this is I, what I think they should have done is not tell people they're lowering interactions. And you can sit no, on a street this, corner. This wasn't, this wasn't a public statement. This was simply chief law enforcement officer. This says this is a new policy within the agency. And then, you know, do, you end up with people within the agency that end up passing that along. So word gets out quickly. You can't you can't keep that stuff a secret. Okay, when I lived in uh, the town that I was from before I worked for in a certain the town agency, you're in. <laughs> okay, I I lived there for five years, and uh, I would go back ten years prior to that to the town. I had no idea who the sheriff was. I had no idea who the chief of police was. I and this is a small town. I had no idea about law enforcement, about who's pulling me over. I I had no clue in any way, shape, or form. I think the average person they're living their lives, they're not and if they don't have any interaction with a police officer or whatever, they're not gonna they're not gonna know it. <clears throat> What's your point? So uh, my point is, don't say anything. Yeah, might get out here or there, but a lot of things get out here and there. So uh, 
Jay, have you heard anything in the county you work in about how possibly to enforce uh, violations of the stay-at-home order? Because it is a misdemeanor. Yeah, that was my question. If you yeah, uh, so if you go out, the stay-at-home order in the state of Minnesota is uh, misdemeanor, and law enforcement have. Uh, but I don't I don't know directly if there is a um, if there is a blanket um, consequence mm. to that. Um, but the county in which I work, the way that they're handling it is. Um, they are pulling people over as normal for typical reasons you would pull somebody over. And uh, the sheriff in that town has openly, in a radio interview, has said that the way that they are handling the misdemeanor issue is as an education place. So if people are out and about, and not for a reason, that but are they, are, are they hold, hold, hold on are they asking for a uh for your papers basically what are you out and about for yeah they're at, they're at, you know so let's get pulled over for speeding whatever we'll just oh wait hold on you get pulled over no i i only do that because um when you're talking your gate shuts me off um <clears throat> Not not pulling people over for something else. I mean, if they see someone out walking in the street and they don't, they want to know why they're out. Do they stop them and ask them why you're out and about? No, but that's because in the state of Minnesota, the stay-at-home order, the governor specifically stated that going outdoors for exercise is suggested right. in order to to get out and about. So, so I would say if somebody decided to go out and about and run through a crowd of people then sure maybe that would be differently just out walking your dog or going for a jog no there's no reason to pull or to to stop them and ask for their papers so if they're going to the grocery store do you just say i have i'm going to the grocery store and then they say okay so then they're really there's no there's no definitive way of of actually proving it's probably not even going to be enforceable in a court of law because you could always say I was right. But the, the so that, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, you could just say, I'm just going for a drive, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. which was something kind of oddly that the government yeah, actually I saw said, that. if you want to get out of your house and just go for a drive, just stay in your car and go for a drive. Okay. Right. So the stay at home order is a little bit different in, in the state of Minnesota, the way it's being handled. My principal point was, the county in which I work, they are not actively reducing the reason that they pull people over or not actively reducing the interactions with petty crime. Do I mean, are they wearing uh, face masks? Um, the law enforcement personnel have access to N95 masks if they want them, yes. Oh, they haven't been forced know. to give them to the hospitals? I do not know. Say that again. They haven't been forced to give them to the hospitals yet? No, first responders <laughs> are, are I'm being facetious, come on. Everyone else is being demonized. If you even if you show one on social media and you don't work for a first responder, people will jump on there and rip you apart. There, there was a picture that a, high, that a photographer did of a high school senior I mean, this is totally different for all these kids now. 
all the seniors, their lives are are not what they thought it was going to be. And so they did a shoot with this kid in like a painter's jumpsuit, full, it looked like a hazmat suit, you know, washy rubber gloves and a, um, a, a, a painter's mask, just a little cheapo one. The amount of hate that photographer got online, oh, what a waste of that protective equipment. I, that could have been donated to some, to some good use. I can't believe that they, you would do that and waste that material. <laughs> People are so stupid on social media. Yeah, Sorry. people That's are all stupid on social media when there isn't a pandemic. So I'm not sure what your point is there. Whatever. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, I, I have the executive order up from Minnesota. Uh, let's see. This says, Allowed activities and work performed in the above critical sector should, to the maximum extent possible, be conducted, conducted in a manner that adheres to Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. Uh except as necessary to seek medical care and obtain other necessities of life, people at high risk of severe illness are strongly urged to stay in their home or residence even when the terms of this executive order would allow them to leave their home or residence. Perfect. I urge all Minnesotans to voluntarily comply with this order. Pursuant to Minnesota (laughs) statutes... (laughs) Voluntarily comply to yeah, this order. Exactly. Oh, pursuant, that's funny to me. Pursuant to Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section Executive 12. decision. Dot uh, four five. Uh, not a decision, but. Order, yes. Guidance. Uh, directive. Yeah, anyway, sorry. No, the, no, this is it. Pursuant to Minnesota Statutes 2019, uh, Section 12.45, a person who willfully violates this executive order is guilty of a misdemeanor and upon conviction must be punished by a fine not to exceed $1,000 or by imprisonment for not more than 90 days. And how are you going to prove? Unless you stand there and going, no, I'm not going, I'm not doing these things. I'm just out and about trying to infect somebody. Yeah. I mean, other than that. I mean, and then they'd have other statutes they could well, probably get. Well, I'm sure that they, I mean, you have to write something that in, like that into a law in order to allow enforcement. But, I, and I don't know where this happened, but there was just, I just saw a headline recently. Some lady went into the grocery store and as a prank decided to cough on. Oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, you know, so, and yeah, she's. She's kind of in a world of trouble um, because she did that. So I, I think you sign executive orders and you put some level of consequence in them for those, you know, crazy cases. I, I say crazy, but for those extreme cases, Ooh. you know, I mean, you could go, you could go a little bit less extreme and you could just say, let's say I go to the grocery store for a legitimate reason and you know, David goes to the grocery store for a legitimate reason, but David decides that he's going to stand a foot and a half from me in the grocery store line. And I say, can you, you know, and I ask for distance and he continues to be within a foot and a half of me. If an officer sees that, could an officer actually use that? Sure, they could. Maybe could. I was in the Navy and I was just trying to hit on you. That's possible. <laughs> okay. Just wondering. <clears throat> so that's legit. For them. <laughs> uh, what what are your? Th- that's my 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 personal truth. Is that what that is? <laughs> there it is. Uh, what about <laughs> price gouging? What do you guys think about price gouging? You mean if the government should stop it? 
well, what? Or if people yeah, should do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, there's a place that I think that the government just needs to butt out supply and demand. If people want to charge a hundred bucks for a roll of toilet paper, let them charge a hundred bucks for a roll of toilet paper. And if you're willing to pay a hundred dollars for a roll of toilet yeah, paper, absolutely. I yeah. mean, if you're too if you're too stupid to realize that you could just go take a shower after you deal with your business, well, then you deserve to pay a hundred bucks for a roll of toilet paper. Or shoot, I mean, <laughs> drag a hose from the from the yard. <laughs> Create Whatever. your own bidet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little yeah. chilly, but that's all right. I just, or why would you have to drag the hose from the yard? Just use the yard to do your business and leave the hose there. <laughs> yeah. But but then you get some some public decency orders and <laughs> We'll take a decent dump right. and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> nice. All right, we're gonna take a break here no, for just I'm not I'm I'm actually not a fan of the price gouging. Of the price gouging laws anyway. <laughs> Well, I'm not a fan of the price gouging either, but <laughs> I wanted to bring it up. This is uh, <clears throat> the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com, and I didn't know we'd ever be here, but you know what? It is what it is.
This is the David Allen Show. Welcome back. Uh, we're uh, we're here. I think. Uh, hold on. Are you guys back? Back from what? your back from your break. <laughs> You're back. I got you. Uh, let's kind of talk about this. Um, do we call it a stimulus? What do we call this thing? Um, uh, oh, I know. I know what it is. Money printing press. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on what happened yesterday, the twenty seventh of March, two thousand and twenty? Uh, the Congress, or the House of Representatives, I should say, they <laughs> ratified. Basically, I don't even think they did a full vote. I think it was a um, was it unanimous consent, almost. Like they didn't. I don't think they had a voice vote. There wasn't a roll call vote. I know that. Yep. Um. And it was a two, just over two trillion dollars with a T, uh, of stimulus. Is it, uh, stimulus? What do we call that? Um, uh, money back. I call it relief, not Re- stimulus. I, I agree. That's probably a better word. Relief. Yes. Um, because uh, I heard a couple uh, Congress or uh, representatives, congressmen, uh, say yesterday and the day before that the reason the the federal government should step in at some level in this case is because this is (laughs) the damage to the economy is as a direct result of their actions to close down the economy at some level. Um, And one one guy, I think representative Massey, where's he from Missouri? Maybe Um, Kentucky, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, He, his thing was uh, some of this should be at the state level because some of the damage is caused by the state governments. And so the state governments should be picking some of this slack up because they're causing it. But most of them are relying on this massive influx of cash from the federal government. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Uh, d- the idea of um, money that we don't have. I mean, there's obviously no money. This is borrowing from some sort of future generation. Um, what do you think about it? Well, it's 10% of the total debt. Um, uh, well, hold on. If you don't take into account the $4 trillion that they gave the Fed to divvy out to prop up big business, big industry, banks, essentially. And the, the yeah, airlines I mean, and hotels. My, my, and point, my point is, at this, at this point, it's all psychological um, in terms of the, the currency. As long as people think it has value, it's going to have value until people don't think it has value. And... Uh, whether they print five or ten trillion dollars, as long as people think, and also um, uh, to buy oil from OPEC, you need dollars. So people in other countries have to buy dollars. So, uh, in a sense, until that goes away, there's always going to be a demand for dollars. So, uh, yeah. Hey, I I think that you're. I feel like you're skewing that four trillion dollar number. So the way that I read that, let's talk about that for a second. The way that I read that is, the bill for so the two trillion dollar bill is allotting, like what four hundred and fifty billion or five hundred billion, something like that, to be used for relief or loans back to big businesses. But I, I, my understanding was that $4 trillion number is the 
you take 500 billion and you put it, you inject that into big business. And by the time the dollar gets spent multiple times, it turns into a $4 trillion economic impact, but it's not $4 trillion that's being given to the Fed. Uh, according to uh, Larry Kudlow, it is. Hmm. Okay. It's a, he said it's essentially, and I don't have the quote right in front of me, but he was on uh, with Bill Hemmer on Fox News a couple of days ago. Um, and he said, you know, it's, it's about that when you factor in the, the money given to back. Because, I mean, it's it's money well, available. That's, that's it's, it's money, point, yeah, it's it's money available. Billion, no, it, it's money available. They have up to $4 trillion available that they can back these banks so they don't go under. So he, here's a thought. I Someone the other day. I think I would... I think I'm going to challenge. I'm going to challenge that, but we can pick it up another time. I think it's actually 500 billion, and that four trillion is it's not real dollars. Well, it's not any of it's real dollars, but I think that's the you spend 500 billion, and by the time it gets turned over multiple times, it's four trillion. Okay. <clears throat> um. I might be wrong. I reserve the right to be wrong on that. Well, so I, I do too. I, I just off. in in listening to Cudlow talk on that in that interview, um, he mentioned the six trillion dollar world as an word as an overall package number and how, how they get there. I don't know. I didn't. He didn't say. So uh, we can we can dig that around. It's not a big deal. Um, but I think how do you how, how do you how does the government though impose these kinds of sweeping rules or voluntary, involuntary regulations all the way down to Main Street and and then not provide some level of relief. It's either going to happen in the form of you throw people a $1,000 check, mm-hmm. which personally I think was not the best method to do this, but that's not, I guess we can talk about that later, but I think, or what's the other alternative? What happened... Um, what happened in the Great Depression when they uh, put people on welfare and started bread and cheese lines? I mean, money is money. It's either going to come in the form of, of pushing food in our direction for the people that, you know, are directly affected, or it's going to come in the form of cash injection. Yeah. I uh, got, let me get it here. <clears throat> I am curious why, you know, I, I do think that the, the idea to, to dump a thousand dollar check or 1200, whatever it was into every person that filed a federal tax return in 2019 or 2018, that is under the, you know, the AGI of 70,000. I think that was the wrong method. I think it would have been better to take that same amount of money and put it into the unemployment, uh, benefit and um because i'll just be i'll be pretty honest i my wife and i are a single income family she does not have an income outside of the house my position is a position where i'm considered essential so my salary is not changing at least at this point so we're going to benefit from this in a way that um there are a lot of other people that are on unemployment that well, are not going to benefit the same way. Well, so if was you that were, the best? Well, if you that's were like, a stimulus. But if you were like that's Warren, if you were like Warren Buffett, yeah, then you that's, would. That's, 
you would give it back, right? I mean, that that would be your civic duty, wouldn't it? Um, no. Because you don't who need am I gonna it, give right? It back to what am I? Gonna, who am I going to give it back to? Send the government. One of the other two one of the other poor other people. people on this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You could divvy it out here, <laughs> right here. Yeah. <laughs> Why, no, what I'm gonna, what Absolutely. I'm gonna do instead, is I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend my dollar, and when I spend my dollar, it's going to get turned over enough times in the economy that 500 billion turns into four trillion. So that's how I'm going to do my part. <laughs> Good work. So the the multiplier effect is eight. If that's the case, well, well don't don't yeah. they don't they, they claim wanna, that would be, be high my, inflation? But don't they claim at the at the local level to be able to say that my assertion is correct that five hundred billion turns into four trillion by turnover? I might just be wrong on that. Well, l l let's see. I did. I let's do a little quick search. The New York Times, which we know is truth, they never screw up. They never do anything illegitimate. Um, this is what they say. I'll throw it on your screen. How the Fed's magic money machine will turn $454 billion into $4 trillion. So that's the headline. Right. I read I read that article, and that was okay. my point. Okay, it, gotcha. It right. seems more to me that that's a turnover effect uh -huh. of the dollar. Okay. And none of that is necessary. I mean, that yeah, that's a model right oh, there. Oh, uh, hey, how about that? So it probably won't get there. Excellent. All right. Well, maybe, but <laughs> so, but know. but what I wanted to there's show, there's a whole lot of assumptions there. I'll put this on your screen so you can see it. So this came down from a uh, an accounting firm in the uh, town to the south of us, uh, here in South Dakota. Uh, so this is what, huh? No, not quite Gary? there. <clears throat> uh, let's see. So this is what the funds will do. Uh, individuals will receive one-time direct payments of twelve hundred bucks if they make less than seventy-five grand. Small businesses with with less than five hundred employees will be able to participate in a forgivable loan program designed to ensure that small businesses do not lay off employees and place them on unemployment. Businesses Can you take advantage of that. I don't have employees. Businesses will be able to receive well, are loan. Not, are not you and your wife considered employees of your company? <sighs> I am, I'm talking to my uh, money guy at the moment to figure that out. Um, small businesses may participate in a $10,000 grant program. I don't know what that looks like yet exactly. Um, sole proprietors themselves would benefit from expanded unemployment. So basically, I think part That's of that you. is we can go get unemployment at some level. Um, the... Okay, that that was one of them. Let me go. What's the other thing? Oh, this right here, the employee paid leave. Yeah, I've had to deal. I've had to take a look and read that policy a few times as I worked with my coordinator on work at home. Oh yeah, the work at home initiative and who qualifies to work at home and if they're you know. So we've we've had a few conversations around this specific document because like this this says that up to two weeks eighty hours or a part time employee's two week equivalent uh, of paid sick leave based on the higher of the regular rate of pay or the applicable state and federal minimum wage, um, hundred percent for qualifying reasons one through three below and we'll read those in a second uh, that is up to five hundred eleven dollars a day uh, and uh, fifty one. $110 total. Uh, or there's two-thirds for qualifying reasons four and six below. 
uh, which is up to 200 bucks a day and $2,000 total, or uh, up to 12 weeks of paid leave and expanded family and medical leave pay uh, paid at two-thirds for qualifying reason number five, which we'll read, um, which below for up to 12, 200 bucks a day uh, and $12,000 total. So what number five yeah. is... Number five is that's, if you're, that's child care. If you're caring for his or her child whose school or place of care is closed uh, due to this related reason. Now, a friend of mine yesterday said, sucks to homeschool, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's what I don't know, and I want to try to figure this out. We are subject to the um, rules and the oversight of our local school district, which is shut down due to this. And so now they're, they went to an, uh, a, a at-home learning, distance learning scenario. So what I wonder is, is this something that my wife may be able to take advantage of? Because, I mean, yes, it's something we do, but it also is something we have to do differently now because um, things are different with what the, where the kids can go and different things. We can't utilize the local uh, gym and we can't utilize... Um, some of those other places that we know we used to do. So our uh, typical schedule is different now because of this. And so I, I need to look into that and see if that's an option. Um, you can get 100% qualifying uh, for one through three, reasons one through three. Reason one is, uh, is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation order related to COVID-19. Now, are you Ooh. guys technically... Under an isolation order, would that fall under that? Is stay at home with that? I don't know. And number two has. Um, you would be if your business was not deemed essential. essential. But what if you could yeah. work from home and you were non essential? Because you can do that. They want you to, no matter what. Even if you're non essential, if you can work from home, do it. Well, but then you're not, then you don't have the problem with unemployment. Well, exactly. So it's like they're well, trying to get around this. This is, this is you're talking about an unemployed. You're you're talking about sick um, uh, leave, eighty hours of sick leave. Right. Here's the other thing. Well, if, if you're you, working, if you're working from home, you're still get, you're still getting your salary. Yeah. In my case, my so clients are take, gone. Why would you need to take sick leave? Right. In my case, I don't have clients anymore. It's like hairdressers; they don't have clients anymore. Like in Oregon, I've got family and friends out there. Uh, one of them's a hairdresser and she cannot operate. Like Kate Brown has shut down all of that. So you, they, they don't have a choice. It's illegal for them to operate their hair salon. So at that point they Same have no option. over here. Minnesota, you can't yeah, okay. either. Okay. And those are, those people are taking unemployment if they were employed, but if they were self-employed, which I do know a couple that you don't get unemployment if you're self-employed. But it sounds like that un, under this rule, that, maybe that restriction is waived at some level. And so then you could access that. I think that was not, not under this, not under this one, because this is a sick leave. Well, so yeah, that, but, but the last one takes sick leave from correct. But like this last one, like this other thing said, uh, uh sole proprietors, where was it? themselves would benefit from right, expanded expanded it, right that's, a, that's that's under the two trillion dollar package and that's or, or i guess well, it's all part of also. it's all part of the same thing right just a different 
piece right. of that. Right. It's just the di it's different colors of money and where you get your money from. Correct. Well, <laughs> different colors of monopoly money. <laughs> well, true. Well, here's the difference. The difference is if I'm a small business, if I lay my people off right now because my business is closed, mm -hmm. if I lay them off, they are able to go collect unemployment. And in a typical scenario, if I'm a business and I lay somebody off, um, there, I think it's two-thirds of every dollar that they collect from unemployment comes out of my unemployment insurance. So I become liable for that money anyway. Well, if I'm a small business that's closed because of this and my employees are drawing unemployment and I have to pay for it anyway, well, I, there's no benefit to me to shutting my business down. I'm getting hit double. Yeah. So the idea is with unemployment, then the feds are coming in and they're supplementing that unemployment insurance and they're saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and pick up the tab. Yeah instead of charging the, the small business for it. Correct. So now a small business can actually shut down and they don't get a double whammy of no revenue and they pay on insurance that's getting lifted. Or you're a small business and you ask your employees to take sick leave um, because they are directly related or directly connected to the COVID um, issue for childcare. <clears throat> right. Well, now that money is coming from somewhere else. It's mm -hmm. just where the money's getting categorized as. Well, it is, and some of the thresholds uh, and some of the requirements, like the small business loan scenario too. That's kind of nuts. Um, that you can get a, a federally backed loan. You have to have no collateral, no, no nothing down, no credit check, um, and they go off your last, I think, three months of uh, payroll and expenses, something like that. And then you get, uh, I think, is it up to two and a half times your monthly um, expense? And then <clears throat> as long as you don't remove your workforce, like you keep them in place, at the end of the term, which I don't know if it ends in July or if it ends in um, uh, December, but you can get that transitioned, transferred into a grant that you only then have to pay the 4% interest on that money. You don't have to pay the money back. So that's like a, a, a big deal for some of these companies because that really opens the door for, I mean, that's free labor, free payroll. I mean, 4% to get your payroll cost covered is not bad. And so th I think that's well, going to be a benefit well, no, to a lot of exact, lot of business. No, 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 it's not exactly free because you're keeping your staff on, but you're not, but you don't have revenue. So you're you're putting you're paying out salary, but you're being affected because of revenue. So you you don't just get to get a loan and then pay your your employees and then and then you get to grant you get granted um, if you're it's only if your revenue is being affected I can't remember how it was worded but where was it let me see if I can find it here real quick All right, so this from the Chamber of Commerce, Small Business Guide uh, and Checklist. Um, 
Here are the questions you may be asking. Let's see. This says the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act, allocated $350 billion to help small businesses keep workers employed amid the pandemic and economic downturn, known as the Paycheck Protection Program. The initiative provides 100% federally guaranteed loans to small businesses. Importantly, these loans may be forgiven if borrowers maintain their payrolls during the crisis or restore their payrolls afterward. The administration soon will release more details, including the list of lenders offering loans under the program. In the meantime, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has issued this guide to help small businesses and self-employed individuals prepare to file for a loan. All right. Number one, am I eligible? Here are the eligibility requirements. Um, You are eligible if you are uh, one of the following. A small business with fewer than 500 employees. A small business that otherwise meets the SBA size standard. A 501c3 with fewer than 500 employees. An individual who operates as a sole proprietor. An individual who operates as an independent contractor. An individual who is self-employed who regularly carries on any trade or business. A tribal business concern that meets the SBA size standard. A 501c19 veterans organization that meets the SBA size standard. In addition, some special rules may make you eligible. If you are in the accommodation and food services sector, the 500-employee rule is applied on a per-physical location basis. If you are operating as a franchise or receive financial assistance from an approved small business investment company, uh, the normal affiliation rules do not apply. All right, then what lenders, uh, what will they be looking for? In evaluating eligibility, lenders are directed to consider whether to borrow whether the borrower was in operation before February 15th, 2020 and had employees for whom they paid salaries and payroll taxes or paid independent contractors. Uh, lenders will also ask you for a good faith certificate certif- certification that one, the uncertainty of current economic conditions makes the loan request necessary to support ongoing operations. Two, the borrower will use the loan proceeds to re- retain workers and maintain payroll or make mortgage, lease, and utility payments. Three, the borrower does not have an application pending for a loan du- du- uh, duplicative of the purpose and amounts applied for here. Or four, from February 15, 2020 to December 31, 2020, the borrower has not received a loan duplicative of the purpose and amounts applied of applied for here. If an independent if you are an independent contractor, sole proprietor or self-employed individual, lenders will also be looking for certain documents. Um, final requirements will be announced by the government such as payroll tax filings, forms 1099, miscellaneous and income uh, and expenses from the sole proprietorship. Then it says how much can I borrow? <clears throat> Loans can be up to two and a half times the borrower's average monthly payroll costs not to exceed $10 million. Hmm. So can you cover your expenses with $10 million? Um, well, two and a half times. So yeah, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> okay. um, and it also says what the lenders will not be looking for. Uh, they will not be looking that the borrow sought and was unable to obtain credit elsewhere. So that doesn't matter. Uh, a personal guarantee is not required for the loan. And no collateral is required for the loan because the government is backing this. Then it says, 
Will this loan be forgiven? Borrowers are eligible to have their loans forgiven. How much? A borrower is eligible for loan forgiveness equal to the amount the borrower spent on the following items during the eight-week period beginning on the date of the origination of the loan. Number one, payroll costs. Using the same definition of payroll costs used to determine loan eligibility. Uh, interest on the mortgage obligation incurred in the ordinary course of business. Rent on a leasing agreement. Payments on utility, electricity, gas, water, transportation, telephone, or internet. For borrowers with tipped employees, additional wages paid to those employees. The loan forgiveness cannot exceed the principal. Duh. Um, how could the forgiveness be reduced? The amount of loan forgiveness calculated above is reduced if there is a reduction in the number of employees or a reduction of the greater than 25% in wages paid to employees. So you can't get the loan, then drop your employees' wages and get that reduced. I'll send this to both of you guys because well, it's interesting can. to see you have it. You can get the loan, but you, you won't get it out of Correct. For Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Which, and that's where I think that is a very risky thought because that's basing the assumption that you're going to be be able to recover. What if this goes on further? Well, and, and that's my whole thing is if you go down this road and you plan for eight weeks and what if it goes 16? What if it goes 32? What if we're out the next 40 weeks or 52 weeks? What does oh, it look they're, like? They're going to keep. They're going to keep doing uh, well, stimulus. Oh, yeah. Nancy Pelosi already says they're working on number four. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. the thing that we're forgetting, well, we're really not, but it's easy to forget, is this is the third stimulus bill they've passed so far since this has happened in the last two weeks. So it's not like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like there's been a lot of money toward hospitals, uh, some of the other um, industries. But anyway, uh, we probably should wrap this show since it's <laughs> it's been two hours and 49 minutes so far. Uh, of the recording. We're probably not going to put all this out there, but most of it. Um, any last thoughts? I do think we should try to get together next week uh, as you guys can. Uh, Jay, are you working from home or are you able to actually go into work? No, I'm in, I'm in the office. I have the option. I have the option to work from home or be in the office. And to be quite blunt, our building is closed to the public. Um, and we have about half of our workforce that we have set up to work from home now. Mm -hmm. So, for me, there's a bit of relief to be able to actually be in the office, and um, and oh, there's a lot of what I'm doing that is uh, just not possible at home right now. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to reevaluate that in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but uh, for now, yes, I'm going to the office. Okay. And uh, David, you are at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed <laughs> you didn't say working from home. <laughs> hey, unemployment, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna be sucking off the government teat here. So join the club. Uh yeah. no. and, and you know, I, I'm I, obviously I'm not a fan of government uh dole, but when the government causes the problem, they need to fix it. So at that point Oh well, no, no, no. You can't say they cause the problem. Their reaction their reaction to try to solve a problem is causing it, oh, yeah, the problem. The collateral damage of their decisions has caused this problem. Absolutely. Right. But but the problem is an invisible war. That's huge. It's huge. It is huge. Where did it come from? China. It is China. huge. China. Absolutely. 
China. President President Xi in China. 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 Huge China. invisible war. Don't be a cutie pie. A cutie pie? <laughs> oh, yeah, brother. Yeah, the... All right. You know, one thing that yeah, is interesting okay. that we didn't talk about that the next time we get on, we need to talk about this is how this is affecting campaigns. Oh, man. What's going to happen to the what's going to happen to the polling places in the primaries in August or in November if this doesn't shut down? I'd love to talk about the political implications for campaigns and voting. It's going to be huge. Literally, huge. That, that is going to be huge. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, this is the David Allen show. Um, I don't know. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've exhausted a few of these topics, but unfortunately there's much more to talk about, which we will do next time because that's what we do. Yeah, Alan, let's do this more frequently so that we don't have three hour podcasts. I think this was great. Absolutely. Well, great. Uh, th- th- thanks a lot. Uh, David, any last thoughts? Uh, really? That's no. good. I like it. <laughs> awesome this is the david allen show david allen show.com on the interwebs uh you can find us at the google play store and the uh, apple podcast store uh podcast store whatever anyway david allen show sure. at gmail.com if you have a comment or question um tell your friends about this uh we are as as we move into a more uh current news gathering system uh we will become essential in california podcasts are in the essential category so get out of here. Absolutely. <laughs> because so many news people use podcasts. So that's it falls under that category. I tried to look in the Minnesota rule and they didn't break it down, but we are definitely news. So let's do it. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. Appreciate yeah. it. Have a good one. See you later, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>